Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. You help clients save and prepare for retirement, but once they're there, do you help them spend? Well, Brad Swinehart's guest is Brad Gatto of Fiat Wealth Management. Oh my, Brad and Brad together. How could the show get any better? Brad Swinehart, introduce us to Brad Gatto. I have yet to meet a Brad I didn't like. So and Mr. Bradley Gatto makes the top of that list. So thanks for being on the show today, sir. Longtime friend. How's how's life, man? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. We're uh, I'm a parent. I own a business, so that's my life right there. <laughs> and you're in Minnesota, right? So are the the kids playing hockey? Is that what the the life oh, is no, like? No, 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 no. I uh, I grew up in Iowa, and in Iowa they spell hockey wrestling. So <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> we we avoided hockey at all costs, uh, and it's a big cost in the state of Minnesota. So we're a, a baseball, basketball, football primarily family dabbled into the wrestling lacrosse a little bit, but those, those are the three. That seems like enough, right? It seems like enough. We're seven nights a week right now between winter baseball clinics, basketball games and practices and church. On top of that, owning your own business and actually being super successful at it. Well, yeah, success is relative, right? But uh, we haven't failed and I get to pay myself something. So yeah, we're, (laughs) So I think a lot of advisors that I'm speaking to have, you know, they're, they're learning, okay, how do I transition? What's this life going to be like? 2020 was rough. We were hoping things would go back to normal 2021. Now we're in this little muddled reality of 2022. Um, And one of the things that your practice has done is really kind of hit the nail on the head when it comes to how to prospect virtually. And I'd love to talk about that a little bit and how you made that transition. Was it a smooth transition? And what does that mean going forward? Yeah. Well, I mean, you kind of alluded to it, but just to make sure everybody's clear, we're in growth mode, right? And so we're bringing on new families uh, all the time and doing a lot of marketing uh, to find these families. And prior to COVID, everything was face-to-face face-to-face events, uh, whether that was referral type events we were doing for existing clients to bring friends to, or it was cold marketing face-to-face type events. But um, in the day that the world kind of shut down, March of 2020, I was actually in a public event uh, at a community center uh, close to my office. And we had two events there that day, one over the lunch hour and one over kind of around the dinner timeframe. And was thinking how efficient that was and how awesome it was. I was going to be able to go set everything up, you know, run the event and then just leave it and then come back at dinner time and do it again. And I walk, I remember walking out and uh, seeing the gal at the front desk. And I said, okay, well, we'll see you at about six o'clock tonight. And she goes, no, you won't. We're closed. And I'm like, what do you mean you're closed? And 
in the hour we were in there, the whole world just like shut down and everything closed and everybody got sent home. And so we had to go pack our stuff up. And of course, with you know staff and advisors that junior advisors that uh, are in you know, growth mode and have very immature or just young practices, I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And so the only thing we could do, uh, which was same thing, continue to provide all the same education we were doing before, but do it through virtual events rather than live events. And I'm sure that went just smashingly right out the gate, right? Oh, yeah. you're, you're a good, you're a good presenter. You know what you're doing. You've done lots and lots of seminars. I mean, all, all we're doing now is flipping on a camera, right? Smooth yeah, well, sailing. <laughs> the, the, the only reason it worked for us is because it had to. We didn't have a choice. Like we had to figure it out and nothing's impossible. So the idea that it wasn't going to work wasn't even in my thought process. It was just about how long is it going to take us to figure out how to make this work and how much money am I going to have to burn through <laughs> before we get anything back? And uh, luckily, it was there was some pain for sure, but it wasn't as hard of a transition as I anticipated it would be. And some of that, I think, has to do with my ignorance to, like I said before, I just I don't believe in failure. But I think the other part of that for us is just the way that we are our service model with our clients and the way that we onboard is really conducive to education and taking our time, right? And so be, not being an office that's kind of like one or two call close, you know, product push, you know, that kind of deal, that's hard to do physically with people, like when you're sitting in front of them, impossible to do online, right? Because you can't you can't do the the sales tactics of leaning into the table and like, you know, kind of giving them, you know, kind of behaviorally forcing them to make decisions and, and buy things. You can't do that. You can't kind of bully that. You can't just, you can't just lean closer to the camera. It doesn't work that way. So they got to, they got to want to work with you. They got to love everything about what you've got going on and building uh, trust and getting people to like you online is harder. It, it definitely is yeah. harder. So we, we had to do a lot of things about our online presence. And if, you want details, I'm happy to give them to, to make yeah. us. Yeah, we want more, details. Uh, I mean, believable, uh, trustworthy. We want, we want the secret sauce. We don't want, well, we did some good stuff and then things worked out well. Like, <laughs> come on, nobody wants to, <laughs> nobody wants to hear that. Episode right there. <laughs> and done. No. Yeah, well, we, we, we tried some things well. that didn't work. We tried some different things. They worked. So here we are. <laughs> and uh, see you later. Great value added podcast. Uh, part of it was, I just knew, you know, I grew up in a small town in Iowa. And being a small town Iowa boy, I big on the handshake, big on, I'm a hugger by nature. I, I hug everybody. And so losing kind of that was really tough for me. And I just kind of assumed it was going to be tough for them too. So I was like, well, how can we replace that? How do I, how do I virtually shake somebody's hand so that they get that level of trust, right? Because that handshake means a lot, especially to the people that we're marketing to, because we're, we're marketing primarily to baby boomers and teaching them how to spend their money. And that generation, even more so than mine, values that handshake. So what we did was we just built up our online presence and gave them every opportunity to find us, uh, find content about us. Uh, so that was everything from you know the nerdy Google SEO stuff, making sure that we had a presence at, on Google, that we had client reviews 
there that they could read through just because everybody reads reviews on everything these days, everything you buy on Amazon, you're like, well, that's only got four stars. wonder what's, you know, why is, what's wrong with that fifth star? Why is it not getting that fifth star kind of thing? And so we, we asked our clients if they would go out and help us out and, and write real reviews for us. And so we kind of built all that up, uh, bolstered the website, started a podcast. I wrote a book last year. I just did all these things to give people opportunities to find us. Um, really spent a lot of time on our LinkedIn. So like all the advisors, you know, have very consistent LinkedIn pages. They all kind of look the same, putting out the same messaging. Um, bottom line is we just created an online business card. And I've talked to a lot of advisors that I don't want to say they don't understand the value in LinkedIn, but they really don't see it transform into business. Yeah. And I always say, just like you, you just eloquently put, it's a it's a business card. It's basically a, a static ad or resume that you know 70% of prospects are going to look up professionals on LinkedIn before they work with them. Why? Because if you're a professional, you have a LinkedIn page. Yeah. You know, it's it's just it's almost like the cost of doing business now, which is nice because it's free. It just takes <laughs> just takes yeah. time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what kind of content would you put on your LinkedIn page if you're if you're like, hey, let's let's dust this thing up like you did, what were you focused on putting on there as far as content-wise? Education. Everything that we're doing, every piece of... We're trying to provide tons and tons and tons of value before they ever make a decision to partner with us um, and give them plenty of opportunities to interact with our firm. And so whether it's the episodes of our podcast that we're putting out... It's blogs that we're writing on a consistent basis. It's invitations to our inner circle workshop that we do every single month. Uh, That's just an educational workshop where the topics are rotating. Um, you name it. Like every time there's an opportunity for people to interact with us and get free education, um, we're putting all of that stuff out there. And I don't, I mean, Brad, I don't know that you can point to any one of the things that we're doing and be like, oh, that's providing, you know, that's what got that client, right? Right. I've in the last, you know, almost two years now since this three weeks of flattening the curve started, <laughs> I can tell you we've had clients, you know, people that families that have, have chosen to partner with our firm that have pointed to LinkedIn specifically and said that was like I found something there and, and that's kind of what tipped the iceberg for me. I've had uh families tell me it was the podcast. In fact, recently, uh we had this gal that basically told us, no, she listened to an online education workshop. And she's like, eh, I don't know that I really want to do a first visit with you guys. The advisor sent the link to our podcast and said, hey, here's a bunch of more free education for you. I think we have 22 episodes so far of our podcast since we started it. She listened every, to- Every day is, is every, every day is Saturday. That's what's Every called. day is Saturday is the name yes. of the podcast. Yep. Nailed it. Uh, in one day, she listened to every episode, called us back and was like, I'm in. Like, how do we schedule the first visit? So I know the podcast works for certain people. LinkedIn works for different people. Uh, the book is not even out yet. I wrote it last year. It's in editing and all that kind of stuff, which there's going to be a lot of editing because my English and grammar is terrible. <laughs> um, Me no, right? Good. <laughs> so yeah. So we haven't even seen any results from that, but the the website, I mean, we just, you know, doing the SEO on the website and stuff like that. I just last week I had, we had our first ever person find us just through Google. Like, I don't know what they Googled. We haven't found out yet. Like if they were just Googling fiduciary advisor in my area, wealth manager in my area or something like that. Uh, cool guy's yeah. named Brad. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's <laughs> five years old. He's a specialist, a surgeon. 
his wife owns a law practice. And I'm like, okay, great. So we're just using the internet to the best of its abilities. And let's just be honest, Brad, like our industry is so archaic when it comes to yeah. <laughs> using the internet to its full capabilities. I always kind of think of it like, you know, you have to have an office. Well, you used to, right? You used to have to have an office. Is that what brought in the business? Well, I mean, it, it probably helped, right? Like nice pair of shoes, a nice suit, maybe a nice tie, depending on your, you know, your practice, you know, a nice lobby, someone greets them, a nice bottle of water. You know, none of those things is going to win you a client, right? But if you show up without pants on or without shoes on, or there's no water in the lobby, you're going to miss out on some opportunities, right? Sure. So it's, I think you're, you're kind of painting that picture perfectly of, you have to do it all because they're going to look on Facebook. They're going to look on LinkedIn. They're going to, some people listen to a podcast. Some people listen to a webinar and say, this guy's not for me, but then they'll put you in their ear for 12 hours straight and be like, Oh my God, this guy is for me. Let's, let's, let's do this thing. Um, so I think that's all very, very, very positive. And, and you just have to bake it all together. When I, th- I heard an advisor say once, probably like 10 years ago, an advisor that was kind of a, a pretty key you know, kind of mentor in my world. He's like, look, when you're doing marketing, whether it doesn't matter if you're a financial advisor or anything else, he's like, when you do like workshops, which are the primary and have been for a very long time, the primary thing that advisors do to find new families is uh, that 20% of the people in that room are probably going to tell you yes, and at least go through some of your process and maybe become a client. 10% of the people in the room are no, doesn't matter what you say. I mean, you could literally hand them the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and they're just there for you know, free info, or maybe you're feeding them at a dinner or something like that. And they want yeah. to take he goes, that middle 70% of the room is where you're going to have your success because they're maybes. And you have to find a way to stay in front of them so that when they go from a maybe to a yes, okay, I, it, today's the day I want to hire an advisor. You just have to be the first person that they think of um, and, the most, and the person that's provided the most value to them. And so what we've tried to create at Fiat, and we're definitely not perfect and we're still growing in this area, is a culture where once you've interacted with us at one time and we've kind of found you and you're kind of in our ecosphere or bloodstream or whatever you want to talk, you know, however you want to define that, we, we're going to love on you hard until you tell us goodbye, you die or you, know, you buy from us, you choose to partner with us. Um, and again, to your point, it's like a shotgun approach of we're just going to put it all out there because some people... Will never get on Facebook. Some people would never listen to a podcast. Some people will never go on LinkedIn. Some people will never read a book. Some people, you know, all these things, but some people right. do. And that is their medium of how they like to take in information and take in content. Prime example of that, too, is, you know, we do these workshops with White Glove, and they sometimes people immediately during the workshop are scheduling themselves before the workshop's even over. That happens. That said, I also have people that have listened to the workshop, not interacted with us, at least as I knew it, right? Not directly. They're not coming to the office. They're not live in workshops that we're doing or anything like that. But behind the scenes, they are interacting with us and I don't even know it. They're listening to podcasts. They're they're watching our YouTube videos or whatever. And my record so far, uh, and this will continue to get longer, I know it will, is almost two years between point of first contact and them reaching back out to us and saying, okay, ready to go. I'm like, I didn't even know you were still out there. Like I didn't know. And little 
that I know they probably had 18 touch points with us in 24 months of things, you know, content that they took in. And just for whatever reason, we're finally ready to rock. They're in that middle 70%. And so long-term success for any growing practice is going to be in the majorities, not in the minorities of people. And the majorities are maybes. And so you got to find a way to love on them in a meaningful way, especially during COVID. And so we were kind of forced into this, but it's been the best, you know, like, oh crap, what do we do? We have to pivot. It's been the best pivot. It's been good for us. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. So pre-COVID, you did a ton of seminars, right? I don't know what that, you know, what does that volume look like as far as pre-COVID doing in-person seminars compared to now you're doing almost everything webinar-based to drive new prospects, right? Um, what does that volume look like for you? So before COVID, we were doing one to two, we call them sets of educational workshops a month, which means we were doing either two live events or four a month, two to four. That's kind of where we were at. Obviously, live events take a lot of time. You got to go to wherever community centers, libraries, where we were doing these during the day. They were always at 11 o'clock in the morning. So you got to get there early. You got to set up, do the event chat with people afterwards, tear down and come back to the office. And so it's at least a three-hour time commitment plus staff time because you have somebody there with you helping and that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, it was always a time constraint thing. When we went to virtual, we didn't, you know, we get all that time back, right? Like I don't have to physically go anywhere and neither the people attending the workshops. And so what I realized very quickly was if I liked the workshop, we could record it. And if I recorded it, I could just play it back. and. So we don't try to lie to people and tell them it's live. We don't, we just, so like now this year, Brad, we're on pace. Like if we keep the cadence that we're doing now, granted it's pretty early in the year and but we're planning on it. Our plan is to do about 135 virtual events this year. Wow. wow. But the crazy so the, part just, is, think about this. The crazy part is I will have of my personal time because at the beginning of the year, I have to record because numbers change, right? And we do a lot on taxes and taxes change every single year, numbers change. And so I have to update the presentation and, and update the content a little bit. And then I'll record it three, four, five times until I'm happy with it. And then I'm going to push play and let the workshop do what it does. And not only do I we do that, but it's not just in the Twin Cities anymore. We're all over the state of Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, uh, Illinois, Missouri. We're even doing like Virginia, Maryland this year. So we're, we're not constrained by geography because it's all online. And from a time perspective, I will have 15 hours by the end of this year into these workshops. And I will interact with about 15 to 20 households about 130 times. So 2,500 to 26, 2,800 individual households and opportunities to, to make a difference. So, I mean, so you went from 48 at the peak, 48 events, right? To uh, almost triple that, doing 130. You've cut your time down to just about nothing, you yep. know, less than a weekend. And now you're running in all these different states. Because one thing that we always run into and that we are, you know, pay very high attention to is the saturation of a market. You know, I would imagine that some of the reasons you're only doing two events a month is because 
you can only advertise the same people so many times, yep. right? But what you've said is you've expanded your geography and, and it's now getting in front of new audiences. And that is, I mean, 10x probably the type amount of people you're getting into. Yeah. How did your practice have to adopt and adapt to virtual meetings, you know, closing prospects whatever, without that handshake, right? Like we talked about, how do you do that first virtual handshake? Now you've gotten in front of them virtually. They've listened to your podcast. They log on to Zoom. Um, but how do you still, how do you ink that deal with, <laughs> with uh, someone in two states away, right? How do you, how do, you do that? And how do you adapt? You take a breath. And what I mean by that is we're all so eager to get to the close, as we like to call it. In other words, revenue. And at the end of the day, we have to get there, right? Or we're out of business. And so I understand that. But that is one, it's never the client's mentality. The client is never walking into your office virtually or physically thinking, they better hurry up and close me or I'm going to find somebody else. That is the most advisor-centric thought process <laughs> of like, we got to hurry up and get this done. No client feels that way. Uh, and so putting you have baby steps is the best way to put it. So we had to... When we did live events, as an example, if you said, yes, I want to, I want to come see you, I want to s- schedule time with your office, we f- our bar that we set for them in live events was two visits. You're committing to two visits, not just one. So if you say yes, here's what you're saying yes to. We were very clear because we didn't want to waste our time and we didn't want to waste their time. And so the expectation was 45 minutes to get acquainted, first visit. Second visit, we're going to give you a written analysis of exactly all the areas of opportunity and where we think we can help you and exactly how we're paid. And that's a 90-minute visit. And so you're committing to 45-minute first visit, 90-minute second visit. We realized very quickly, virtually, that's too much. Too big of a bite out of the cookie at one time. And so we had to slow down even more. I would argue our process was slower than most anyway. By the time, you know, from first visit with a client to the point of the client saying, yeah, I want to marry you for the rest of my life, we were six visits on average which is wow. probably two to three times longer than most advisors already. And so we, when we went to virtual, we went to all they're committing to, if they click the button to schedule time, which is now all done through online calendaring. And it's just crazy. We don't have to schedule them. They schedule themselves, which still blows my mind. Uh, it's a 30-minute tax clarity visit is, is what we call it. Uh, and so that's all they're committing to. And so it's, it's even slower than it was before. It's baby steps. And when they're in Maryland or Florida or Iowa, you know what they're doing? They're stalking us online. Who are these people? How did, how did I end up on a workshop with some office in the Twin Cities? And how can I trust them? Well, what's the only thing they can do? Google us. And so we've taken so much time and energy and effort to create a really good story online and to give them tons of content and opportunity to interact with us on their own time, in their pajamas, without having to talk to us. And so they can get comfortable, right? It's like online car shopping. It's the best thing ever because everybody hates the car sales guy, right? And so you don't want to go there and peruse and deal with this guy that's trying to sell you a car you don't even need. You're going to do it all online. And then you just go and you say, this is the one I want. That's kind of the deal. And it's far more comfortable. We've basically created that opportunity for them with our firm to interact with us. And so it's, it's pretty slow. Uh, our, from the time of first workshop to revenue for us is at least 90 days. 
So how do you keep track or how do you decide what to fill into that funnel? You know, when it, the, the lead cycle is 90 days out mm-hmm. and on pace, how do you track your numbers? Cause this is every sales guy hates this, right. But advisors, especially like, how do you track what's working and what's not? There's a lot of the, a lot of the necessities, right. Your shoes, your pants, your, your tie, your bottle of water, um, which is, you know, your Googles and your LinkedIn's and your um, podcasting, you have all of those, but how do you track your lead flow in order to make sure that you're having a positive ROI? Sure. Uh, well, two things on that. And I know that to some advisors, 90 to 120 days, sometimes even longer of a lead time to get to revenue seems like really painful. But understand, like if I wasn't a financial advisor and I was a candle maker and I knew it was going to get, it was going to take, I don't know, take 90 days to make a candle, but that's what I thought of. So but I turned the assembly line on to start. You're making- a really slow candle maker. Let's right? just put it out there. It's <laughs> uh, a long time before wax to dry. And, I, and I'm sending these candles down the assembly line. And it takes three months for the first one to fall off the assembly line for me to actually be able to sell the dumb thing. Well, that lead flow only happens once. Because once it's on, there's, there's new ones starting that are 90 days away from revenue. But there's always somebody falling off on the back end too. And so the lead time's only once. You only have to deal with that pain of like, I'm throwing all this money out and I get, I'm getting nothing back. And it feels really icky, uh, especially for advisors because we're inherently cheap. I mean, the average advisor, the first person they hire is their wife you know, or their mom because we just don't want to spend any money. But if you can get past that and get through that first 90 or 120 days, there's always somebody falling off to pay for all the stuff that you're doing on the front end. So there's that. The second thing from tracking perspective is when we started, it was an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, that's just because it was simple enough. Now that it's gotten more complex, we've got all these different funnels going on and lead flows going on and we're growing as a firm. Uh, We use Salesforce. And I have a very, very strong love-hate relationship with Salesforce. (laughs) I think everybody that uses Salesforce feels the same way. Salesforce Uh, is this very large, expensive box of Legos. And they're like, here you go. Build what you want. That That is a very... That's the... Best way I've ever heard it put. That is exactly what it is. You know, and you can see the picture on the front of what it could be of the box of Legos, but you get no instructions. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And you can either cobble something together or you hire somebody else to come in and build your little Lego fort, you know? <laughs> and we hired, we hired, we paid a lot to, of yeah. money for consultants last year to make our sales force. But now, yeah. I mean, now that it is what it is, like we've got, you know, all these workshops coming in. It's like, how do you keep track of these people? How do you follow up with these people? It's all automated. It's all in Salesforce. The cadence is there. Our advisors walk in and they've got, why? Oh, these are the 59 calls I need to make today because this person's day three in the lead flow. This person's day 16 in the lead flow. This person's here. This person, like, and it just is all being tracked automatically and everything is just automated, which is awesome. It's really cool when it's done. Building Salesforce is, I don't, I don't know that I would ever do it again. You know what I mean? Now that I've done it once, I don't know that I would ever go back and rebuild Salesforce, uh, but I'm so glad we haven't. Yeah. What's interesting is, you know, that first 90 days that you were talking about, like that's the first most painful thing that you have to get through. And so many advisors I talk to, they, they change from one marketing method to the other so often that it's, they're never hitting that. 90 day. Now I can breathe. Everything is, you know, the assembly line is full because they're constantly feeling that pain of 
I don't know when this is going to work. It didn't immediately work out. Let's try something new. And they're constantly in that, that first 90 days where they're yep. not making any significant revenue. And then oftentimes I talk to advisors that they try something. They didn't like it for whatever reason. And again, didn't get a good feel of the audience or then they didn't like how the webinar ran and they give up, they go do something else. And then six months later, they come back and say, oh, I just closed a X amount, huge client off of that webinar I did six months ago. Let's do another one. Yep. And my thought is always, well, you just missed six months of all of those opportunities that you could have been filling that. But now you're starting back at the beginning with an empty conveyor belt. Isn't it funny though? Because as advisors behind closed doors, we're, we're all saying the same thing. Behind closed doors, we're always talking to, you know, our clients come to us and they're like, oh, you know, the 30 days of the start of COVID and the market's off 34% in a month and they're losing their minds. And you're like, you know, and behind, we're all like, stop it. Like you're an investor. This is a long-term game, like knock it off. If they only knew blah, 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 blah. And like, we're just, we get so frustrated because we don't, they don't think correctly, right? We haven't educated them enough, all these things. And here the advisors are doing the exact same thing with marketing. They're like, I tried it once. It didn't work. It's, it's broken. Uh, <laughs> it's broken. It, Mine's uh, broke. <laughs> the life of me, I can't, I can't understand that. I will tell you when we started, when we started doing workshops, I was dead convinced we were going to be awesome at it. I really was. Now, type A, male, ego, whatever. Like I had all of it. Well, you're probably the only advisor like that. So yeah, yep, yep. I'm the <laughs> this industry. So I, but we, we did workshops for, I don't know how many months it was, three, maybe four months, spent $60,000 and I got nothing back because not because the marketing doesn't work. I didn't. My like what we were doing was broken. And so I never blamed it on the marketing. I just was like, there's got to be a way. If I, these people are in the room, there's people here, which means I have an opportunity. And if they chose not to partner with our firm, it doesn't mean the marketing didn't work. The marketing did exactly what it was supposed to do. I, I had an opportunity to be in front of people. If they chose not to do business with me, that's 100% on me. 100% on me. So how do we? How do we be better? How do we give a better presentation? How do we love on these people in a more meaningful way? What are they asking? What do they really want? And asking all these questions. And we just kept, you know, because eventually you're going to figure this stuff out, right? Not too many people get on a bike for the first time and just ride off into the sunset. Like there's a process to learn how to do it. But once you learn how to do it, you can kind of, you know, then it just becomes you're unconsciously competent and you just jump on, you don't even think about it. You're not trying to balance. You're just, it just works. And I'd like that unconsciously competent. I like that phrase. Mastery, right? You start yeah. being unconsciously incompetent, right? And where most people quit almost everything is where you become consciously incompetent. Then you realize you're incompetent, right? Because you've learned enough to know, okay, well, I'm not completely ignorant. Now I know I'm not good at this. <laughs> <laughs> that's where almost everybody quits almost everything. Uh, that's a hard stage to get past. And that's where I was at with our workshops. It's like, wow, I'm bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Uh, I love it. Well, Hey man, thank you very much for being on the show today. Um, always a pleasure talking to you and hopefully continued success for you. And it sounds like you've really kind of nailed this virtual thing after a lot of trial and error, right? But if you had one thing to tell the advisors listening to today of, you know, maybe they've tried a webinar and they said, nah, that's not for me, or they're, they don't understand, well, why would I get on LinkedIn? Why would I do a podcast? 
what would you say to the advisor that's contemplating now what they should do moving forward? Well, if you want to grow, you got to find new people to talk to. And if it's not through those means, please tell me other ways to do it because I'm open to all of it. I'll do all of it. Yeah. I just, I love meeting new people because uh, I genuinely love their stories. I'm super curious of how they got to where they're at in life. And so I'm always willing to meet new people. So if I was to tell anybody out there anything, workshops work, podcasting works, it all works. And so if you're doing it and it's not working, it's not, it's not the product, it's you. <laughs> um, I would also plug that I, one of my favorite things is not just to meet new prospective clients and families, it's advisors. I love sharing ideas. I, I love finding out what other advisors are doing that's working. I really love figuring out what they did that didn't work. And we're an open book at Fiat. If there's anything that we can do for any advisors that's looking into this stuff or answer questions or what have you, um, reach out. I would love to interact with any advisor that's curious about what we've got going on. And I would love to know what you've got going on because uh, the whole iron sharpens iron. And my, our success in this industry, fiat success, is really dedicated to all the advisors I've interacted with in my 15 years in this industry. Almost everything I do isn't unique. It's been done before. Somebody did it before me and was willing to take the time out of their day to share nuggets with me that have been very impactful. And so I love that kind of stuff. Our website, fiatwm.com is where you can contact us. I would love to help. And if not, they can listen to your podcast and stalk you on LinkedIn. And I'm sure they can Google you, right? Because you're everywhere. All I think that's, a, that's exactly what you did today is share some really good uh, nuggets of what's working. And as always, appreciate uh, you being on the show and, and being a good friend, buddy. Good to see you, man. Brad Gatto of Fiat Wealth Management with the host of this podcast, Brad Swinehart. Find new ideas in financial services and advising by following Be Advised, Leading with Value, and share with colleagues and friends. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. Thank you for listening to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of White Glove. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Thank you.